Samuel was called late at night. The voice of the Lord was so subtle that he didn't recognize it. The child, the apprentice of the prophet Eli, was called while he was alone in the temple, kept company only by the ark and the lamp. The voice of the Lord was not accompanied by an entourage. There were no trumpets and angels, no parting of seas or skies, no procession of great church leaders in their finery. The Lord called Samuel by name, quietly, so that Samuel thought at first he heard the voice of his beloved mentor, Eli. Not so. It was indeed the voice of God, a voice that changed his life. There are scores of examples of experiences of worship when hearts and minds were changed, when God's voice was heard quietly or loudly, clearly. I have heard of the experiences some of you have had here when you've been moved to tears or moved to action or moved to a greater faith. I know it happens in the course of our regular Sunday worship, I've experienced it myself. We have, at times, even gained members into God's community because the way we worship and the space in which we worship can be beautiful and moving. Our worship can attract people. It can help them find a spiritual home. It can, and it does. But there's a worship movement right now in Christendom that bothers me. And I want to take a few minutes this morning to help clear it up for our community. The movement is called by some attractional worship. The concept is based on the idea that the purpose of worship is evangelism. That the purpose of worship for those who espouse this idea is to bring people to Jesus. Or, alternately, the purpose is to provide people with an experience of God. For these worship leaders, the driving force in worship planning is the manufacture of an experience that can evoke strong emotion that people will then equate with experiencing the divine. In theory, then, when word gets out that this particular church has these strong emotive experiences as the centerpiece of their worship, More people come for the show. But, contrary to popular belief and popular Christian culture these days, that's not the point of worship. I said that. You heard me. We do not worship in order to bring people to Jesus. We do not worship to attract people into our pews. We who plan these times we have together do not plan experiences of God for you. We do not attempt to evoke emotion from you. We do not expect that our worship will bring Jesus closer to you. I cannot draw down the divine no matter how much I would like to some days. Now, I'm not going to stand before you and tell you that the good team of people that put our heads and our talents together to plan our worship calendar do not work 
really, really hard to make this thing that we have together every week as life-giving as possible. This thing that we do together week in, week out, is not a haphazard collection of random events. It is planned. It is thought out. It is pulled together by a crew of people with many, many decades of worship experience between us. We want to offer an experience of worship that is free of extraneous fluff and always, upon always, points to the one for whom we gather. But we would never claim to offer you an experience of God. The experience of attractional worship is focused more on entertainment value. The lights, the stage, the screen, the band, none of which are inherently wrong in a worship setting, all together have the effect of dazzling those gathered. The audience is entertained with songs about and stories of Jesus, often without challenge, often without participation. And they leave often feeling pretty good, maybe even moved, maybe even transported. There's nothing wrong with enjoying the show. And while it's not my choice, there's nothing really wrong with enjoying Christian rock music. But there is something very, very wrong with using worship for a tool of anything other than worshiping God. It can be beautiful. It can be moving. But it is not a show. It can inspire people to a commitment of faith, but it is not evangelism. It can convict people to give of their time and their talent and their treasure, but it is not an exercise in stewardship. Methodist pastor and theology blogger Jonathan Agnier writes of the function of worship, We don't worship together to attract unbelievers. We worship because God is worthy. We worship together because this gracious God has called us into his story and grafted us together as a covenant people. We worship together because we desperately need to tell and retell and hear and rehear this story. We worship together to be refocused, reshaped, renewed by God's gifts. We need liturgy. We need word. We need sacrament. I will not for a moment pretend that I believe that Episcopalians, even those of us from All Saints, corner the market on authentic, spirit-centered worship. But the reason I have chosen this path, and I suspect it's true for many of you, is that when I worship here with these words, with these hymns, With these people, I am able to set my own agenda out of the way and let words passed down over hundreds of years lift my own prayers to the God I love, the one that loves me in return, beyond measure, beyond what I deserve. Those prayers will be mixed with the prayers of God's beloved across time and across space, those who have come to weep, those who have come to praise, those who have come to listen 
for a guiding word. When I hear these prayers, whispered and sung and spoken, I am able, along with the rest of you, to be recalibrated for the work I have ahead of me, the gospel work that we are all to be about. And I worship here because I need you around me, and you need me with you. And we need to worship God at the very least to remind ourselves who created the heavens and the earth, who made us from dirt, who conquered death for us. Samuel was not in the temple to be entertained. Samuel was not lying in the circle of the light of God waiting to be spoon-fed. He was not looking around expecting someone else to make God relevant to his time or to his culture. He was not expecting an experience of worship that would move him to tears. He was resting in that holy place. He was opening his mind and his ears and his heart. German theologian Karl Barth wrote a passionate treatise to ministers called The Word of God and the Word of Man. What he says of dogmatic teaching applies here too. He says, The fact is man cannot believe what is simply held before him. He can believe nothing that is not within him and before him. He cannot believe what does not reveal itself to him that has not the power to penetrate to him. As beloved as we are of God, we cannot manufacture experiences of God. We cannot claim to reveal the Holy Spirit. We cannot bring Jesus into worship. Not only is it not our job to do so, it is not within our power To think otherwise is absurd. We can invite others to worship with us, to be a part of this community with the word and the table at its core, but we cannot make them believe, either through dogma or through manipulation. Think with me for a moment. If, God forbid, our church building fell down, If we had no pews, no organ, if there was no stained glass, no vestments, no altar, no pulpit, what would be left of All Saints? What would we do on Sunday mornings? The answer? We would worship. We would rest in the glory of 600 more and more years of prayers from our prayer book. We would listen for the voice of God in the silence that remained. We would come together around any table we could find or no table at all. We would break bread together. We would sing together. We would hear the word revealed together in scripture, and in each other. We would worship God because that is what we need to do. Our souls long for it. Our lives are strengthened by it. 
We would worship God because our community lives by it and because we are better together for it. We would worship God because God deserves our devotion and because while we are unworthy to give it, it is in the end all that we have to offer. Speak, we would say, as we say every Sunday, as all we have left to say, your servants are listening. We would come together on bare ground and we would still have a God to worship. And from that place, we would go forth into the world with eyes and hearts and minds open for the experiences of God that God provides anywhere and everywhere. Amen.